On this week's Superhero Show Show, we'll find out if Stargirl's Justice League will get any new members, if the 1979 Legends of the Superheroes is the greatest superhero TV show of all time, and who will win Shushi for Superhero Team of the Year. All of that and more on the Superhero Show Show. What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only show on the internet where we review every live-action television show based on a comic book or a comic book property. My name is Cassie, and I will be the host of this lovely episode, and I'm here to keep us talking about comic books and comic book TV only. I've brought some friends along who are, of course, going to help me with this task and not derail it in any way. My first friend is Ryan. How's it going? Uh, I, why, why more than me and you? Like, if it was just me and you... Oh, it's going great. Thank you for asking. How's it going with you? <laughs> Good, good, good. Okay. Um, if it was just me and you, then there would be no derailing. It would yeah. be you and I staying focused the entire day, so why don't we just do that? Cassie okay. and Ryan mess around. We, we mess... You want... No, we can't mess around. We're just gonna... We're the focus team. We're here to talk only about comic books and comic book TV. No, when I, when I, like, when I want to do like a very serious hangout, that's what I, I call it, a mess around. There will be no oh, messing around on the funny. mess around. Oh, that's yeah, funny. It's cute. He's insecure. He doesn't want to just say, like, have a real heart-to-heart. He has to call it a mess around. Yeah, well, a heart to heart. I don't like like that. Sounds that's too much pressure. I instantly got into a panic once I heard heart to heart as well. What, what do you call when you have to have a serious talk? I'm Mike. What do you call it, Cassie? <laughs> hey, what's up, Mike? Welcome, welcome to this. When it, I we got wanna... sick of waiting. <laughs> <laughs> we would. We honestly, we were never gonna let you in. So good move on this one. Um, yeah, I know what mess around means. <laughs> it means keep Mike out. But I just call it. You know, it's a good. It's a. It's a hang sesh. Do you like we're slightly different generations where we're different kinds of people Ryan and I often have to have very serious talks or things we think are serious and so we tell each other we got to mess around next Saturday night uh-huh. uh, plus it's a code nobody knows what we're talking about do they just you assume ever... it's 6090 <laughs> yeah well that that is a certain kind of I mean a mess will get around uh, <laughs> Cassie do you have you ever been like hey friend we have to have a real talk um not like no I don't know if it's a generation thing or if just like all of my friends and us are incredibly anxious where we can't put that out there. So we just have, like, we'll just, if it's a scheduled time, that's when we normally know, like, we'll talk about some stuff. So we'll be like, hey, let's hang out, like, Saturday this time. And if we don't make, like, a concrete plan to, like, go do this, it's probably, like, we're probably going to talk for a bit. We'll go meet outside at the little clear table, have a heart-to-heart. <laughs> oh, you said heart-to-heart. Um, uh- when I first, after, like, a couple months of... Uh, you know, me and Cassie being friends. I, t- I tried it. I said, Cassie, what are your hopes? What are your, what are your dreams? What are your fears? Mm. And she slapped me so hard I lost a tooth. <laughs> it was... And I have not replaced it. I just... I, uh, I bronzed it and I keep it on my wall as, the, as a memory of like not asking Cassie if she wants to get to like a next level of friendship. Yeah. Well, what I like is uh, that didn't stop you because we went on the pop filter annual retreat last summer. And the company went up and basically just got shitty in the mountains. And Ryan's like, here's my time again. And you're like, let's go to the balcony and talk about what the stars could mean for our futures. And she just knocked that gold tooth out again. <laughs> again. 
And then the third time you tried a different technique was like, how do you, how do I get you to fucking hate me? And then I just slapped you again. And that's the only technique like this. I was like, I'm already there, dude. Like, this is it. (laughs) That one was most impressive because you slapped the bronze tooth that's on my shelf and slapped it so hard it went directly back into my mouth. So, (laughs) the next retreat, you better watch out for that tooth. So, but like, I'm still wondering and we're quarantining right now. So you can't fucking touch me. You cannot physically abuse me like you normally do. Uh, is it that you have no hopes and dreams and fears or you just refuse to tell us because you don't like us that much? Yeah, no, I guess like you guys, me telling you is just too easy. Like you guys got to put more work in. Like I have a hope and dream journal and if you guys put the work in to find that, then you've earned it. Like it's a whole national treasure thing. Like I've hidden it deep in the nation's secrets. So you're missing like an annoying little sibling. You want us to like <laughs> ransack your room and and find it? Yeah, I only had an older sibling, so I was the only one. Like that's the only thing I know is to be the sneaky one. So ah uh, shit. So we're just gonna go in there and we're gonna find their journal. Like all you did was <laughs> take theirs and then put it under your bed. There's obviously gonna be a decoy one for sure, you guys. Again, I'm not gonna make it easy. Yeah, but th- no. Every every younger sibling's hopes and dreams. It's just a parenthesis. Do what they did, but better. So mom <laughs> likes me more. <laughs> The kids who on TV who like invented creating a fake journal and putting it in a place that's easy to find, they created Finstagram, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the original thing that uh, people created to like make their parents think that they're being sneaky, but they're not at all. They're they're not, but they're trying. But you guys, speaking of sneaky little kids and all the things they get up to for the main event today, we are talk- talking about an episode of Stargirl. But before we get to that, a quick stop at the bullpen. <laughs> As promised, we're here for the bullpen, and it is. We are deep in shushy season, and today we are figuring out the best team. So, Ryan, what's going on with these shushy awards? Yeah, what is going on? We're going to do Superhero Team, which um, does kind of disinclude a lot of our shows, because a lot of our shows are like, you know, um, a crazy boy and a crazy girl fall in love and kill a bunch of people, and we have to review it because it's based on a graphic novel. So a lot of the... This is strictly for the superhero shows. Um... Guys, what makes a good superhero team? And actually, here's the question I want. Cassie, we'll start with you. How many, how many people do you think should be on a perfect classic superhero team? Oh, man, that is a real good question. I think I like, I tend to like the bigger teams because once you get like bigger teams, you get more personalities. Each person's bringing like, they have like more niche, like a real particular talent that they can bring and you have a specialist for each one. So I tend to go for the bigger groups. I'm going to say five. Okay. See, to me, that's small. Like five is perfect to me, Mike. Where where do you come in on this? Because like yeah, some I of was, these shows have like thirteen. I was raised on X Men: The Animated Series, so I think eight. You eight. need your you need your Storm, your Rogue, your Morph, your Beast, your Cyclops, your Gene, your Wolverine, your Jubilee. Like you need to fill those roles, and maybe an old leader in a wheelchair. So we're, we're still bringing up Morph here. <laughs> <laughs> was it that one episode? Justice for Morph. Yeah, he he died in the pilot. <laughs> he came back in season three as an evil guy. You knew he was evil because he had bags under his eyes. I didn't realize the cartoon was just saying, you will look like this as an adult. <laughs> Mike, yeah, he morphed into an old person. <laughs> this isn't your platform to bring this up, Mike. I know you keep trying to get this going, but you got to save it for the forums, dude. I uh, I like the bigger teams because, yeah, Cassie, like you said, everybody gets a quip. You know, we have like um, the classic roles. There's the leader, the the one who's good with machines, the party dude, the person who's cool but rude, and everybody gets their own type of dialogue. When it gets to be a problem is when we get to the climax of maybe the episode of the season, and then everyone gets like all of their powers sort of work together. 
So mm-hmm. everyone gets their own special sort of punch. And if they weren't there, then it wouldn't have worked. Um, and that is always so forced. Like, right. they're always coming up with the dumbest reasons why everybody has to have like some sort of impact. Yeah. But, but we do... Go ahead. Always look to X-Men, because whether it's the comics or the animated series, it's there's a thousand fights going on at once, so it's not they all need to combine. Maybe do a fastball special, sure. But <laughs> other than that, everybody's just having their own journey. And by that, you mean a very special episode on a very yeah. special, on a very fastball special episode of the yeah. X-Men. Where they all karaoke the way together. The, the other thing, too, that, uh, oh, boy. Uh, the other thing, too, that uh, <laughs> these TV shows do is that um, there's a couple teams that we're going to talk about that it's really, there's a, it's not like Cyclops and Jean Grey and Wolverine and Beast and they all have these roles. There's a leader, but it's basically equal. A lot of them is like, we have one single forward hero. And then everybody else is like the home team, the tech team back at home that is that really a team? Like, does that count? Yeah, I would wonder, like, Barry can't do anything he does. Like, he could be a version of the Flash. But there's a like, if I was Cisco and it was called Team Flash this many years in, I'd probably be pissed. Like, I was like, can't we name it something? It's not like Team Sosa for whatever baseball team Sosa was on. (laughs) At least Flash and the boys or something, you know, at least some type of reference for him. Flashing the boys is something that I am not allowed to do anymore. <laughs> I don't think you were ever allowed to do that. Yeah. Well, no, everybody gets one, and then I did it twice. Oh. All right, guys, let's go through your nominees. Your first nominee are the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, this is our classic team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that like what Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. does great is you, you add some people, you take away some people, they shake it up like there's a new director – People don't want to listen to Mac right now. There's like, there's like, no, I should be the boss because I have powers. And he's, Coulson's like, I should be the boss, but I'm a dead robot version of myself, so maybe not. <laughs> so that's a good team has drama. These are all quotes, right? Yeah, yeah, direct quotes. And a good team does have a robot member, a person who's been replaced just as a full robot now. So that is a strong, like, that's a vote for me. I agree. I, I do think that every team needs a robot, which... There's teams that we're going to talk about that do. You know, you got to have that robot member. In fact, uh, Doom Patrol didn't have any eligible episodes this year, but they have a robot member. And then I think you also need your tinier person, like your sprite or your whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you have in your team photo, it has to be a lot of differing heights. Yes, and that's why they got Deke. <laughs> that's why they got Deke, yes. Uh, and I also love the move of, like, leaders are the boring ones on the team. Mac's not the leader, but he's boring. Let's just make him the leader and then combine that shit. And again, going from the X-Men and the Avengers, every five years, they'd be like, somebody new leads. We're doing a real team. Why? That person just practiced strategy for years. Why would you be like, no? <laughs> actually, it sounds like you're actually getting competent at this. Um, let's, let's switch it up. <laughs> let's get some new blood in here. Your next nominee is Division 3, which is the team that tried to bring up David Haller and then tried to take down David Haller. I mean, that shows they're not a great team, right? Yeah, the word tried in there <laughs> twice isn't really <laughs> helping them out right now. And they made their greatest villain. They could have just let him die. <laughs> they was just too boring for him. So they were like, let's, again, shake things up a bit. Let's make the villain. Oh, my God. I just thought of the perfect example of a team, like from the team photo, with the robot, the tiny person, and then this one has an even tinier person. It's Captain EO's fucking spaceship team. <laughs> See, there Which we is go. Every team dynamic is based on. Captain EO, yeah. <laughs> uh, and with Division Three, we have got... Um, t- Ptolemy, who is just a guy stuck in a tree, a robot tree. Uh, we've got um, the dude and the chick that are the same 
body. The louder milks. The louder milks. Um, I yeah, it's been a long time. Do you guys remember yeah, who's on it's this been team? A long time. Rachel. Rachel, yes. They, they, that's uh, you always need the competent one that for some reason nobody listens to. Like, Rachel she Keller be in charge, but is not. Rachel Keller, who played Sid, right? Yeah, Sid. Thank you. Uh, Gene Smart, who's the Professor X role, and was on two superhero teams this year. And then uh, you have the guy who broke bad, David Holler. All right, I'm. I'm. This one's not going to win. We don't even know who's on the team. <laughs> your next, your next nominee is Legends of Tomorrow. Ah, oh, come, come on. on. <laughs> What this is the it's one team everything. we like rave about every week. Like obviously this this is our peak team for sure. Uh yeah, our team definitely is one that says sometimes we fuck things up for the better as their tagline. <laughs> but they do so a big thing for like a good team for me is they gotta have a good success rate of like catching the bad guy. And you know what? <sighs> every episode they pretty much catch that person. I guess that's a good call. Um this is best team. And, like, uh, be- most effective superhero team as opposed to best ensemble, which the show is probably going to win, too. But <laughs> for best team, yeah, we need them to, like, work together, be confident, and have a high success rate. And this team figures out a way to do one and not the other. It's always incompetent and has a high success rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is that why we love them so much? Do they remind you of three other people? Yeah, it's the first time we've really seen ourselves on screen. <laughs> it's the first time I've seen myself successful. And I'm like, that's what that would be like. Cool. <laughs> Got so the incompetency cool. part down. <laughs> uh, your next nominee, coming straight out of recency bias, is the JSA Junior. Yeah, they're definitely boosted by we're currently watching them and don't have to struggle to remember who's on the team. Yeah, currently watching. <laughs> and you know what? It's just fun to watch little kids just be in a group. It's just like this adorable thing. Like, look at these kids do it, man. But I got to say, but, but although you know, now we're at four... We were at two, and then we were at four. and But before that, we had Courtney and Pat, and that, I think, made up a lot of like why we love this team, too. You know, yeah. Eventually, Pat's going to be on the team. I hope that they're in scenes together at some point, and then I, I really feel like that they have a shot. Yeah, for him to try to lead all of them now and get four versions of a kid saying, don't tell us what to do, you're just the sidekick. <laughs> just, have, a, have a stepdad in the role is real good, yeah. real good for a team, just a full stepdad for a whole team. I didn't say that I was any of your dads, and all four of you just keep <laughs> screaming that at me. Yeah, imagine if, imagine if Professor X had none of the respect from any of the X Men ever. <laughs> That's what Pat does. I what I want. I think the ultimate would be also the robot says it like while Pat's in there. It's like you are not my dad. He's like, well, I did build you. Or to make it more like clear, I. Uh, Courtney should keep screaming that you're not my dad, and then the other three should be you're not my stepdad. You know, like, <laughs> motherfucking walk around here like he's our stepdad, which you should never do. Your final one is Team Arrow. Now, this is a team that does have that front-forward person, you can tell, because it's named after him. Um, and maybe this is some final year, we got to get him nominated, but this is a team that does... You know, there's a lot of boots on the ground with this team. It's not just a bunch of people in the headquarters while Arrow's out there. Um, and a team that we've kind of grown up with and, you know, have seen go through all of these phases for like the last, what, 15 years of our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, they're the only ones who are like, wait, you only need one tech person, maybe two so they can riff on each other. But we do need more people to punch and kick out there. Right. <laughs> it's the reverse Team Flash for sure. They're real barbarian style. On this team, does the salmon ladder count? Like, is this one of the members? 
Yeah, I yeah, would say it so. It goes into the field. Well, then, yeah, that helps. <laughs> <laughs> that one's helping this team a lot. Is that uh, is that a good name for a superhero? Like, if they based a character on the Salmon Ladder, would you be scared of the Salmon Ladder? Well, I'd be scared about how much my drool might make me drown. <laughs> and that's the main fear with him, yeah. So your nominees are Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Division 3 from Legion, Legends of Tomorrow, the JSA Jr., and Team Arrow. Um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Legends both have a shishi already this year. So let's see what happens. Maybe we can have a new winner. And your winner is... Such a good crinkle. It's Legends of Tomorrow. Of course oh, it is. It coming. Was this even a dumb award to have? <laughs> no, I liked talking shit on the other teams. Yeah, that was a good time. But we, we I knew. Th- I think most importantly, though, so far, is that uh, Watchmen is has zero awards. Uh, was not nominated for Best Team because I don't know if Watchmen ever had that one moment where the camera pans and we see the team all posed like that. One drinking, one smoking, one's back is hurt. <laughs> <laughs> one watching Legends of Tomorrow. Have you guys seen this show? It's really funny. It really picked it up after the second season. Um, I still I still think it will win the most awards, even though Legends of Tomorrow has a two-award lead at this point. But I guess we'll see. Yeah. And you guys will have plenty of times, because again, Shushis are in full effect. So we'll have more next week. But that is all for this segment that we have. Coming up next, the main event. On this week's episode of Stargirl, two more of Courtney's props find their new owners when local Billy Badass Rick gets the attention of a glowing hourglass that gives you super strength for one hour. Meanwhile, Dr. Midnight's Google glasses turn Beth from annoying mama's girl to know-it-all mama's girl. So, taste buds, let's start with Hourson and then get to Dr. Midnight. What do we think of the new members of the JSA Junior? I I do think this show is missing a Tim Riggins. <laughs> so I'm glad that we have Ourman. Tim Riggins is a piece of shit from a trash family. <laughs> Just had to get that out and say that right now. Uh, yeah, I like. I hope for more. And I think that there's two things that we're supposed to get from this episode, which is uh, drunkles are bad. And this is in classic Stargirl fashion, because Stargirl gave us uh, this cheerleader mean girl who is mm-hmm. has no redeeming qualities, like should be put to death. This yeah. Cindy, I think her name is. Uh, oh. There's just nothing nuanced about her. And now we have Drunkle, who is even worse. Like, he, he adopted a kid, hit the beer immediately, and has not stopped drinking and punching since then. It was, one, very clear they could have just moved out of Blue Valley, so that's on him. Take care of the kid. He's such a drunk that he's drinking beer from the 40s, so it doesn't have the pop <laughs> Dude! Top. You have to take, like, a triangular <laughs> can opener to open it by hand. We have... We left $100,000 and beer from 1929 under the bed. This is what you all you have. But that opening scene, that was wild. Like, we had, that was such a, like, drama-filled opening. And we had, like, just, like, instantly with that guy. He was like, you just leave me with your kid? What the hell is this? And then, like, we, it was literally, like, this one, it hit the ground running so hard with this opening. Like it was motherfucking Solomon Grundy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah uh, by the way, did you guys see who played... Uh, Rick's dad? No. Rick's dad is played by Lou Ferrigno Jr., son of Lou Ferrigno, star of The Incredible Hulk. So they're dealing with legacy on this show. Okay, I get it. (laughs) So when he's driving, a giant, angry, full of rage muscle man comes up and smashes his car. And I think 
that was probably therapeutic for him. Like that's probably what he thought his entire life was like. Yeah, I assume was that his dad was horrific. His dad was not Lou Ferrigno, but the Hulk. <laughs> oh, that bad haircut's after me again. But um, so we do have. It looks like this guy, this kid, is going to join the team. And how do you guys feel about his like? So he is. He was reluctant to join, but by the end, he is in for it, and he's only joining in order to get revenge. And how do you guys think this will affect the team? Well, I I was shocked when they were like, "No, we should do this because this is what's right. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna like get some justice." And he says, "No," and I was like, "Oh, I don't know where we're going from here." Yeah. I'll do it for revenge. Oh, that's okay. I didn't see that coming at all. But I guess I liked it better than him being like, no, you guys are right after an hour of knowing you. Justice mm-hmm. is what we should do. Like, All, it, Also, Cassie, if you thought the opening scene hit you hard, imagine uh, Dr. Midnight playing it for him and the holograph no, goes, like the car goes <laughs> through his head. He looks at her like, why would you make my parents' car drive through me right now? Yes. Is this really what you think is helpful, you asshole? It's so brutal. That was terrible, he, yeah. The one, uh, the, the kid is fine, the, the actor. The, the, the thing I, I liked this show went for uh, his, his like, kind of soliloquy of, I want to hit something, anything, all of the time. Do you think I like feeling that way? Like, it's so rare a bully is just like, here's why I'm the way I am. Yeah, he was very straightforward <laughs> with it. He's like, I'm straight up, I'm bursting with anger always. So how do you, this is why. But at least before he got his powers, they did the thing where he goes to the tree that he blames for killing his parents. <laughs> not the, not the supervillain, but the tree. And so he does the classic uh, brooding bad boy thing of punching it. Uh, and then one second later, he's like, oh, fuck, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. that really hurts your hand when you punch a tree as hard as you can. Yeah, they, they set up a lot of like, here's how he is without powers because he was carrying the keg and it's very heavy. Because how he makes his money is, I, I assume he steals his uncle's kegs. Uh, and then he sells them to students. <laughs> and then later he's like, I can crush this keg. Still, though, you, you open the keg with the, the triangle opener thing. Because the, <laughs> yeah. the kegs are from the 1920s, too. <laughs> but do you think... So I'm not sure if we're going to get like a whole redemption arc for this kid where he's going to turn away from revenge. Or if he's going to like stay with this revenge path. But if anybody can do that for him, I feel like it's Pat. Like, step-papa Pat was like trying to just be a dad to this kid for those like 10 seconds he met him. So if anybody can make this kid turn around, it's it's yeah. got to be little Pat. And also we saw that when Pat, because Pat has been shunted in a, for the last couple of episodes in a way that I don't like. Like we need more Luke Wilson in these episodes. But what we got was Courtney's father figure and Rick's father figure in a quick conversation. And my God, was Pat wonderful? Like yeah. Drunkle tried to Drunkle, and Pat was like, "All right, I guess." Yeah, like, <laughs> him like not not engaging with it and just be like okay <laughs> like that's cool bro whatever you need to do um yeah that's i can't wait for pat to get through this team and if there's one person who convinces rick and maybe he does need to always stick with revenge and that gives the team some dynamic that it would be missing otherwise but it'll be pat that sits him down and says look bro i have the worst chuddiest chubby fucking idiot son maybe you could be my son instead <laughs> yeah I, I i relate a lot to you we both like working on cars yeah. I also like so the, yeah, this was a, a good pad episode even though he was in a lot of it. Uh and him and Courtney are great together and she gave him so much shit for not being able to fix cars. Dude, like, that was like, such a bold like, You're move. Bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> I was blown away by the boldness. Like she's a brave kid cuz she's always taking on these bad guys, but that was the boldest move. Like here's a new stepdad. Let me call out his profession directly to him as we're sitting in a broke down car. I was like, "Dang, girl." I mean, what do you think the success rate is of stepkids 
telling their stepdads that they're not good at fixing cars. I don't think that usually ends well for most people. No, this went. This is not the stereotypical ending to that. Especially if Drunkle was around. Yeah, normally there's a smash cut too, and then like a T-bone steak from the freezer is on an eye. Also, real quick before we move on from Rick, um, I'm not sure if he fully understands his power because he he takes it away before the car crash thing. He takes it away and he's like, "Fuck your team." I'll just use this for whatever I want. And they're like, how are we going to get it back? The answer is, wait one hour. If you just wait one hour after he turns the thing, you will be able to take that right away. Yeah. There is also, like, I wasn't sure if he was immediately going to go beat up his drunkle with the superpower, but instead he just, like, Hulk punched the hell out of his car. Punched a truck in half. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it is a U-shaped truck now. And I was like, you know what? That's pretty good. Because he's always taking, like, his car parts and stuff. I was like, that's pretty good revenge. I'm proud of you for that one. I wonder, though, if it's redeeming for him where he thinks that... I think that if you're abused for long enough, you just think that, like, it's not that my abuser is a bad person, but maybe it's me. And then walking past the diner, he sees his uncle be a drunkle to a waitress and just such a... Like, an asshole in, in a whole new way. It's like, oh, this is just an awful, awful person then, He's for sure. A loser. <laughs> All around. But I, we do... We still got to talk about um, Beth with her, with her goggles now. And did it? Did this? Did the tech make her more annoying, or was it an improvement for you guys? More annoying for yeah. sure. <laughs> Could it be both? Like, I, I I think that like it it makes the annoy. She got more annoying, but it makes it more interesting, and mm-hmm. uh, it sort of creates this character that we all know, but she has the technical reasons to be it. You know, like everybody right. has a friend like this, but for no reason do they act like that. Yeah, it it is nice to be seen. Uh, oh, when I just spout facts, it's not interesting and mind blowing for people. They just hate me. But at least I'm not. I don't like. I think the show is brave that uh, nice doesn't mean you're a good person. Her nice is aggressive. Yeah. yeah. Like I get when they brush Beth off. I get it. Yeah. Sh- sure, she's nice. What else do you bring to the table, Beth? <laughs> I mean, Yolanda used to be like the quintessential nice, like the the nice that you really want. You know, um, right. straight A, very popular. Everybody loved her kind of girl. And then uh, she had some drama in her life. But now she's she's getting back old Yolanda. Like, she's returning to that confident girl. And even she's like, no, fuck this bitch. Like, let's get her <laughs> off the team as soon as possible. She's the one who's straight up just like, um, she's not a part of the team. She's returning these goggles ASAP, just so everyone knows. <laughs> but but the, Beth, the Bethiest moment, the reason why I think that like she's definitely going to work is she does the hologram thing to Rick and like puts him in the middle of the car accident. And then she keels over, which is like a classic superhero. You know, like if you're a teleporter and you teleport too many people, then you keel over, use your powers too much. And so they run over and they're like, Oh my God, is that what happened? And she was like, no, it's just so sad. Like (laughs) her insane empathy just like brought her to a knee. (laughs) There is, so her whole introduction, like, she just kind of invites herself over to the house. And this is, like, my first question. There's a couple. But as a parent, if your kid's friend comes over and you're, like, your kid's not there and this friend is annoying, do you have to just let this kid hang out in your house or can you send him off? Send him off. That was a wild move where she was just like, I have this kid in my house now for who knows how long. She's desperate, though, for court to get friends, though. You know? So I think that's part of it. And also... Uh, if it's some kid who's got like face tattoos and syringes coming out of their arm, then maybe you send them off. But this is fucking Beth. Like, there's no reason to be threatened by her. Comes with like homemade cookies and everything. But then yeah. she realized her mistake real quick. 
But there is, like, so these goggles have, like, all this sensitive information. And my other question is, like, shouldn't there be, like, some type of password thing? Like, these shouldn't just work for just anybody who puts them on, right? Yeah, because we could have gotten a new supervillain if Mike had found those goggles. Yeah. There's X-ray. You know, he would just perv out, like... Is Mike the... Is Pat's son? Pat's son. Kid, yeah. yeah. I'm not speaking in third person. <laughs> no, but that is a good name based on how that kid is. Uh, yeah, but, like, I sort, of, I sort of thought it was an Hour Man thing, like... The goggles were attracted to her like the hourglass was attracted to Rick. Oh, okay. She had so much knowledge already. Or just, yeah, Empathy. I, Empathy. I guess the, the other things are like legacy things. So I guess that makes more sense. But I, yeah, I think that these tools are finding their people. Right. Yeah. Which is why putting together a team is so fun. Mm-hmm. And overall, mm-hmm. do you think with these new additions, we're getting a pretty rounded out team so far? You think they're bringing well, good things Based on the poster that released before the first episode, which had all of these characters, this is it. So, like, I think yeah. that our team is these four and Pat and Stripe, the robot or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, uh, I I want more building of, like, chemistry between them. You know, I want them hanging out. Uh, and I, I think that, like, it works because I think that uh, Courtney and Yolanda are light years ahead of everyone else. And they've only been together yeah. for two episodes, you know? Yeah. And and it's perfect. Like, there's four completely different worldviews on this team. And that's what you want. You don't want your team to work together. You want them to bicker every fight they have with a villain. They have a worse fight emotionally with each other. And that's what this is going to deliver. Yeah, for sure. Which, speaking of their villains, so we got um, Brainwave's little kid. Brainwave's, all of his little dreams are coming true. And his son is starting to get some psychic abilities. So are we, like, do you think he'll eventually step up into this role and that he'll be? Oh, for sure. The, maybe Brainwave? The yeah. horrible jock asshole rapist uh, mm-hmm. becoming a villain. I think that, yeah, we could probably rely on that. Did they set that up? <laughs> what, what what I do like is I've uh, telepathics, villains or not, are always, like, they're people of the mind. They're not big. So he, we've never gotten like a jock dickbag mm-hmm. who also can mess with your mind. Like he's not going to be able to do the mind games his dad can do because yeah. he's a dick. So we're going to see like a real brute force version of telepathy. Which is like what? Like you think I'm so stupid. And then he hears that and he's like, haha, you think you're stupid? Like, yeah. like what is the bully <laughs> version of this? Stop stupiding yourself. <laughs> I didn't even think of this possibility, and now I'm actually excited for this kid because I wasn't because he is just an all around dirtbag. I was like, I don't care about this. Like, this isn't what I want. But now, if it is, uh, just you see how dumb he is and how bad I am into that. So we see him at the party. I do want to talk about the party in a second because Courtney's disguise, because it's at somebody's house she hates, is uh, Gizmo from the Gremlins. Yes, <laughs> she's just Courtney's walking around in that, and that's that feels very Legend of Tomorrow. It didn't need to be this silly, but they decided to go for it. I'm not. Other than like some writer is just a fan, um, I can see how maybe this town is supposed to be reminiscent of Bedford Falls, and mm-hmm. maybe like it's based on the Gremlins town. Um, but these people were like Gremlins came out. Gremlins was like twenty years old when these people were born. Yeah, and so the fact that they would have a gizmo head and such a giant nice one uh, that is a little baffling. <laughs> Well, so there's that, and, like, this is a dumb thing to gripe about, but I do think they need, like, a youth outreach grip, because the music these kids are listening to 
oh, is yeah. Lizzo. Maybe they would, but Lizzo is people our age like it, which means 17-year-olds do not like it. And then it goes from Lizzo to the yeah, yeah, yes, which I fucking guarantee these kids have never and would never listen to. It should be all extension and SoundCloud rap bullshit. <laughs> That's what I was wondering is like when they filmed this, because like if they got Lizzo thinking like that was the new hot thing and then it didn't come out until now, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Oof. But we do have, so um, the Injustice League, we now have the principal violin lady is like, what do you guys know about that like old white dude, like Colonel Sanders dude who tips in chocolate coins? Do you know anything about this weird dude? Is that the guy with the taxi driver gun in his sleeve? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, who's uh, Amy Smart's like direct boss, right. who's an asshole for no reason. Yeah, he's, yeah. Just, he's just a rich white prick. Because he works for Jordan uh, for Icicle, I thought that meant, oh, he's not even on the villain team. Mm -hmm. He really is just for this nonprofit and is a dick bag. (laughs) But yeah, no, we do have, like, we are getting more of these, like, she's now gathering people, and I don't know. So we'll soon get more of this story and what they'll have to face with that, which is exciting to look forward to. And yeah, uh, I'm excited to dive into the fact that your principal is evil, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's for high school kids, like what we have, where is you know, uh, CEOs of companies, all they want is just to be on a supervillain team. That's for us. Um, but th- this episode was so busy that we did not get any more of Mr. Hister, the hooded snake man. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's a bummer because that he is my favorite character. Yeah. I'm very excited. The, the way Courtney reacts to seeing each new villain is delightful. So I think she's going to say very mean, hurtful things in a way only a teenage girl can do to a middle-aged <laughs> snake man. Who's the creepiest <laughs> guy. <laughs> Her trying to tell Pat why her principal is definitely a villain was fucking great. She's like, I saw her playing the violin in like a super evil way. (laughs) She's like, (laughs) plus what he plays like that. Pat's reaction of Courtney's like, was there? And this sounds crazy. I understand that, but on the Injustice League, was there someone who played violin? And Pat's like, of course, the fiddler. Why? Yeah, (laughs) obviously, every team needs a fucking violin playing bad guy. Next question. Next question. There is. We are almost out of time, but I do have. There was uh, one guy. I'm assuming he's got to be a bad guy. But there was that moment where Beth runs into the janitor, and the janitor just has that creepy line of like, "There's Crocs in the water or whatever." Like, I don't. I have no idea what that whole interaction was. He said, "There's dragons in the water." Yes, there it is. Uh, if you want to creep out kids, definitely say some weird, obscure thing. Like, I think Billy Bob Thornton said that to uh in the first season of fargo to somebody like it's just a thing you say to somebody you want to creep out and don't really am i going to help you am i going to not who knows he has no idea their superheroes or supervillains in the town he just is bored by his job and he likes creeping <laughs> out kids well he might have a whole arc he might not uh we'll tune in to watch it you guys should as well star girls on mondays on the dcu or tuesdays on the cw uh coming up next we're gonna go back to another bullpen <laughs> Welcome back, my friends. We are back in the bullpen, our good friend bullpen. And this time we are we are low on shows, so we went back to Old Pool and we found maybe possibly the best of the best that there is out there. Ryan, what are we reviewing this week? On a cold, lonely, piece of shit Thursday night in January of 1979, NBC threatened to bring your superheroes to life. Somebody had the brilliant idea to reunite Adam West and Burt Ward as Batman and Robin. But this time they would be on a 70s-style variety show filmed with video on a stage, and with a laugh track. Because that's not a guarantee of success, believe it or not. They also added a dozen more DC characters, played by some of the most talented actors in the history of film and television, and wearing some of the greatest costumes in the history of humans wearing clothes. The result is Legends of the Superheroes, 
a two-episode series of specials that tanked in the rankings and ended the prospect of live-action superheroes for years. This week, we watched part one called The Challenge. I do not even want to go into what part two is called yet. The Challenge tells the story of a group of villains who decide to blow up the world in one hour. Meanwhile, on an entirely different set that has no similarities to the set the villains are on, the heroes are celebrating the retirement of Retirement Man when they get the news about the bomb. What follows is a series of uproarious skits until we get to the grand finale jet ski climax. Taste buds, where do we even begin? I mean, my heart wants to tell me. I feel like we got to end it with the jet ski because that was just so unreal. That's where I instantly want to go to because, like, my God, it was unreal. But I guess, I don't know. Should we start with Retirement Man? Because that's, that's a whole thing in itself. Well, his name is like the Red Cyclone. And Scarlet they ref- Cyclone. Scarlet Cyclone, and they refuse to call him by his real superhero name. <laughs> they do not respect this guy. They say they're celebrating. And yeah, it's. I mean, we don't ever really get, with the, I guess the exception of the end of Endgame, we don't really get to see old superheroes or what happens to them. So I guess that was something new that this show introduced. I'm just yeah. not sure. Look, what when the- they get old, make fun of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the only, like, I wasn't sure what the payoff is going to be for this guy because they brought him back on screen at the end to just, like, kind of wander around. And I was like, I don't know, like, what the end joke is going to be for this guy, but it can't be worth the buildup that we're getting with this. The, like, the main joke of that segment, and I think this is a good example of what the type of humor was. Um, they said, I think it was Captain Marvel, or Batman said, read what the inscription says on the watch they gave him for retirement. And he says, Belova, which is the brand of watch. And then they say, and the laugh track goes fucking nuts over (laughs) it. And then he says, no, look at the other side. At what point in this hour long thing, (laughs) did you guys like fully accept and understand what we were in for? Uh, I think pretty quickly when, each of the superheroes gets a video game style entrance, like when you're picking your character to fight, because they were literally like spinning, and the narrator was saying, "Here's who it is." Because other than Batman and Robin, they're all brand new. Unless you watch the 1974 Shazam, which I don't know if it's the same actor, but like it's crazy how many years it'd been since any of the shows they were kind of referencing. Well, I mean, uh, it was, the whole point was a live action version of the Super Friends, mm-hmm. and so if you were familiar with these characters like green lantern and flash it was from them i don't know about the huntress or black canary yeah like you just need leggy and who did not get really everybody got their own moment they did not they had to share theirs with huntress was just running in the woods alone for an hour like it would just like <laughs> flash to her doing nothing well they did that thing where they were like all right fine we have to put girls in here but we will not give them any dialogue or anything to do yeah that's I thought they were because Black Canary got like a cool. She like popped like a brief wheelie on a motorcycle, and I was like, "Hell yeah, that's more than I thought I was gonna get out of this." So, but then she like immediately got captured by like Grundy, and I was like, "Okay, I see where we're at." Big week and, for Grundy, by the way. Yeah, big, <laughs> if you're us, this is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> but I do like when when so Grundy's pretending to be a gas station attendant because he has a magic hat on. When he lifts it off, he looks like Grundy. When he puts it on, he doesn't. Not magic. Not magic? Just, nope. Just, <laughs> no, a hat. just a hat. I thought it was magic. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and we're like, the villains say, Grundy's like, how will they, they're going to recognize me. And the villains say, no, put this hat on. And we're like, that's stupid. Like, it's like Clark Kent's glasses. And it totally works when he takes his hat off. That's when Batman and Robin are like, oh my God, it's Solomon Grundy. This giant <laughs> pale white monster is Solomon Grundy. 
I, I love, and he somehow knows that, like, so the superheroes' plans, because this is, like, pre, they couldn't even think of walkie-talkies in 1979, so their plan is, uh, they're all trying to f- find this doomsday device. They're like, when you find something out, run back to this gas station and leave information, and we'll all check in periodically throughout the day. <laughs> and Grundy is like, well, I'm going to pretend to work at the gas station. And Hawkman, when he starts talking to him, he goes, hmm, seems odd. <laughs> like, he does know something's up with the gas station attendant. Which is classic Hawkman. Like, that feels true to character. <laughs> his, his uh, like, in the video game sequence, the introduction to Hawkman is, f- Hawkman fights the evils of the present with the weapons of the past. I can't think of, like, oh, you don't want this guy on your team. <laughs> he is not ready for modern warfare. <laughs> they also gave him the craziest costume. Like, his mask and wings are just, like, the most absurd, like, prop thing on there. I was like, he, they just went full wild with his... I would say, guys, if you've if you've got the budget that you have, which is, uh, we we watched Miles, a Spider-Man story, the short film. It looked with less budget than that. Um, don't choose Hawkman because yeah. you're gonna have to build a giant fucking helmet and wings and shit yeah. to choose another person who wears a shitty leotard where you can totally see their tidy whities through the leotard like everybody <laughs> else was. Was- yeah, at some point, Frank Gorshin, as the other, did a squat. And you're just like, oh, I know where his <laughs> shit stains are. And it's just, I do want to point out, so, like, uh, that guy gets it more than anybody else on the show, how absurd mm-hmm. this is. He does seem legit drunk and making fun of the thing they're all on. But Jim Carrey gets shit on for being like, that's not the Riddler. How could Schumacher do that? That's what they were doing. I never got that they were aiming specifically at the Legends of the Superheroes version of the Riddler <laughs> for Jim Carrey. The other one uh, who I think did that same thing was Sinestro, Uh which is uh, played by some old school comedian who uh, was just known for like being ugly. That's that's where his comedy came from and like making silly faces. And Sinestro, uh, the Green Lantern's archest of villains, like one of the most evil people in the galaxy, uh, decides that the best thing to do is dress up as a female gypsy at one point. And that's that's the kind of show that we're watching. And fuck with Shazam. Like they 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 it, it's like they did no research because it's not the villains were like let's go for each other's nemesis because they won't know what to do. The writers just had no idea who went to who. Yeah, they had um the, another the villains seemed to like really know their characters because the the doctor who the whatever that doctor guy is was fully into his character too, and then his big like scene where he's just like playing a kid at a lemonade stand, like essentially <laughs> it's just him like he's behind a stand, but you know he's just like on his knees, and they're like there you go, that's a child now. It, it did seem like all the villains, when they were all together and then when they were fucking with the superheroes, the villains were all improving, and the superheroes had to go to very wooden scripts in response <laughs> to everything. But yeah, uh, Lemonade Stand. We're going to take all of the, the might of the Injustice League to uh, come up with that awesome idea. And it works. It depowers all of the heroes. Um, and then, so what we have is then the villains accidentally drink the same lemonade and the big we'll get to the the jet ski part in a second but the the climax climax is we now have all these people who drink depower juice and they're all depowered which is why every kid loves watching superhero <laughs> shit and so everyone has no powers and just has to barely punch each other but also yeah so there's a lot of normal humans batman and robin do not have powers riddler and dr savannah do it. so it's just like now you are even weaker than you were before <laughs> like <laughs> Was this a genre that existed, though? Like, was it... Were people... Like, this seemed like a show just to make fun of, like, superheroes. Was that something, like, people were... Like, was this a thing back then? Or was this the show to, like, kind of, like, take a go at that? I think that the genre was cheap, shoddily put together, like, live. Like, not live like Saturday Night Live is, but live, like, 
uh, we'll have a we'll film it on video and we'll make it very quick. And we're not gonna have a lot of editing, you know. Like it was filmed as like a three camera sitcom, where you, it was just camera one, two, or three the entire time. Um, and we'll see if we can trick people into watching this. And it should have been on Saturday morning because while I was watching this, I I always like to do my weekly. My wife walked into the room, and I <laughs> uh, she she brought up something that I just haven't thought about in a long time because of how media works now. Is that oh shit, superheroes really are for children, you know and. <laughs> But this was in prime time and right. not even exciting for kids. Like they fucked this up on every single level. On every single. It does seem like I, you brought up SNL. This is the era of like so SNL has been going for a couple years now. There's like laughing and Fridays. Like it is the like can we do a variety show with superheroes, but also not really with trying or real comedians. Yeah. Yeah. It's like because of the format. I'm surprised that there wasn't like a Sinestro attempt at rap or something you know like uh, uh or like juggling or some uh, like acts I, I was surprised that there weren't like they didn't bring in there wasn't a talent show that had a lot of people coming in and dancing and singing oh man we do have a second half ryan and i would not be surprised if that pops up honestly <laughs> it would not surprise me but um have we talked enough about it can we talk about all the stunts and the sea stunts yeah i i there's no way that i could have predicted this i do think that more drew i uh, i mm. uh, the only character that I had never heard of before was my favorite. I think he looked the coolest and the scariest. Um, and he just sat. He was the head of the villains. And he sat on this throne. And I figured that that's what he would do for the entire show is he would sit up there like Zeus and make demands and boss people around. And then he gets fed up and he goes to Earth and rides a jet ski around and chases Batman and Robin <laughs> on a jet ski. There are mad like, stunts in here. There's sea stunts. And it's got a wizard on a sea if you're an immortal wizard and your lackeys aren't handling, go down on that sea do <laughs> and see do it yourself. Ooh, that was I was honestly surprised because we did get a whole scene with Batman and Robin, who are just absolute fools, get tricked into buying this like, uh, like motorcycle and sidecar, which is like, um, uh, like set to like you know derail them. So obviously we got to have like a whole five minute scene. It just keeps cutting back to them of them just like. The two carts got separated, and you just see, like, these stunts of this guy, like, little Robin, and just the cart with no way to steer it, but going down a hill. Like, it was unreal, the amount of stunts we got in here. I mean, eventually the motorcycle gives up, and Batman on the motorcycle says, all right, and then jumps on the side of the sidecar, and then they just drive away. Yeah. Like, that doesn't have an engine, <laughs> that doesn't have a steering device. They went for that one. And then it goes on the water, and then we get sea stunts. It's unreal. And that is the show. But, uh, I mean, the, the 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 jet ski part or the CU part sort of reminded me of something um, that, like, it made it all connect, which is this should never be filmed. This should be at Universal Studios or at, like, you know, Magic Mountain. This should be a live thing that you go see yes. where, where they're, you know, they're doing fake stunts live. And this is, like, the level of acting and writing that you would typically get at a live stunt show. And then combine the water world aspect of it. you got to then put them on jet skis at the end and fight it out. <laughs> This is where the Waterworld stage show was actually crafted. Somebody watched this as a kid and went, I'm going to grow up and make this someday. And then Waterworld came out and they went, nope, I'll use these characters that everybody knows and loves. Or they they had created the Waterworld stunt show and then Waterworld came out and they were like, that's weird. I, I don't know how that happened, but it's probably going to get easier to make now. Yeah, I think uh, you did find the perfect explanation of it, Ryan. That is 100% what it is. And I don't know how they're going to top themselves in the second part, but we are going to see next week. Based on what I've read, they do not. They, no. This is far, far worse than the other thing. 
That's a bummer. But even with Ed McMahon, who comes into guest? Even with Ed McMahon. Absolutely wild. Well, we're going to be digging into that next week, you guys. And now it's off to the pull list to talk about all the other shows we watched this week. <laughs> Starting off the pull list, our very first show is Snowpiercer. This week on Snowpiercer, a thousand and one cars long, tensions between third class and first class are boiling over as Melanie stages the trial of the Snowpiercer killer. Meanwhile, we learn the tiny thing the tailies were after last week lets people jump between cars and classes, and Jody finds Leighton in the drawers with the help of the janitors. Taste buds, I ask you this. We were worried how the show would be without Leighton helming the plot. A, how is a mostly Leighton-less ep? And B, are you surprised at all it was basically only for one episode? No, I was not surprised. I, I, I thought that all of the rescuing of him would actually happen even sooner, just to... Mm-hmm get him back like all the people were looking around just saying we have nothing to do or talk about uh, so let's go get David Diggs uh, I'm glad it's only one though especially because and I'm not going to blame this on the lack of Leighton I think it was a lot of things but I'm out this show sucks uh, this is the worst episode and this is this had like all of the stuff that I've been like trying to put my finger on for a long time um, how topical this episode was was completely on accident and that probably made it worse, but like they're so bad at like setting up their message uh, and uh-huh. then executing it that it's it, the show is laughable to me at this point. Yeah, but you're just, so the message of like the rich are fine on trial, like it'll be easy for them to get off, and even when things do go against them, a helping hand comes in and saves them. Yeah, I think that it, it sort of seemed like they were commenting on what's going on today, which they're not because there wasn't enough time, and to they still do a bad job of it. What it felt more like is that they were commenting on like the OJ trial, which I don't know if we need any more commentary on, but that's about how dated and stupid this show is. <laughs> Snowpiercer, I say no piercer is what I'm trying to Ooh. say. Yeah, this is the the kind of show where so the the night car is trying to send a message to make actual justice happen and partly doing so to let people know they mean serious is sending the rich people a plate of bugs. Like it's like <laughs> what is this doing? Yeah, I mean which is villainous and but like sort of playing on what they have in their tool belt which is they already think we're monsters so we might as well lean into it which there's some commentary that could be done there but it just isn't uh let's talk about that for a second because the late we do get is uh like fever dreams which is on this show we love they always really reveal character it's never just a waste of fucking time or it's the only easy writer's crutch yeah uh and so Leighton is we learn also the drawers they're not just passed out for years. They are having horrifying nightmares the whole time. So that's a bummer for those 400 people. Is that, uh, do they know that though? Like, is that, I couldn't tell if like that's supposed to happen or if they just didn't do late and right. I think they didn't do late and right. Like it does. Everybody else we've seen is completely still. And he's like twitching and eyes moving like during the nightmare. But we also see, uh, that story he was telling to mess with the first class about how they killed a person and all ate a chunk of his heart. So they take the blame. No, that just happened. That wasn't a fun character moment of him <laughs> fucking with them. That just is what happened. Which that's is, a heart to heart. That's a heart to heart that took it really like deflated. What I thought was cool about this character is knowing how to use expectations against them. Yeah. Um, it's easy to like create a tale and spook people out with it when it's totally happened. It was totally there and you had a part of it. Like then it's, it's not that hard to come up with. Do you have a moment of the week? I don't want to talk about this more. (laughs) Man, if we had any more shows to watch, if we weren't like in the fucking dead butt of summer, then I would definitely drop. I'm not sure if I will, but moment of the week is there's all these reasons that we just mentioned of why this show is toast. Like it just sucks. 
But one of them is because it thinks that it does crazy, scandalous things. And the one this week was we learned why LJ um, or how LJ manipulates her dad and how he gives into everything that she wants. Because what she wants to do is take his fake eye that she stabbed with a fork. She stabbed his eye out of his head with a fork when she was a little kid. But she's just a little kid and it's LJ, so that's fine. What she likes to do now as a hobby, whenever she's feeling like tense or pensive, is he uh, pulls his eye out and then she puts it in his, his fake eye out and then she puts it in his mouth and rolls it around in her mouth. What? I'm yeah, sorry, d- what? Go Snowpiercer. Oh yeah, my it, God. It was gross and dumb and weird and not cool at all. Uh, my moment of the week is also an LJ moment. Uh, she reveals uh, why Melanie gets her off via the fake Mr. Wilford is uh, LJ reveals that Sean, she knows Sean, the dead guy, the original dead guy was an informant for Mr. Wilford. And uh, there's something very big and arch and operatic that if they were doing it on purpose, I would like, but it does feel like they're just bad writers. Yeah. Cause she says, and he had 400 secrets that would rock us to the rails. 400. <laughs> You'll never believe number 297. Uh, uh, but, but that is because there's, they've made it a point cause this show loves numbers. 1001 cares long. Uh, there's 400 drawers. So there are secrets in them. They're the drawers. Okay, so that's not just an arbitrary number. That's good to know. Uh, but yeah, like the one thing that I think it is doing over the last couple of episodes that does feel realistic is Melanie as the CEO of the train, like the evil overlord that we all have, that we're all controlled by in our real life, um, just keeps doing the thing that seems the most evil and selfish. And that feels realistic. Like, you know, don't do this rich person because it'll look right. bad and it'll cause bad and they're like well no i have to you convince me she's doing as a rich person bad but also as a sitcom level bad because uh in the middle of engineer his engineering shift she goes and grabs her boyfriend and the other engineer is very upset that he's like i need my second here we have to drive she's like no i need a fuck <laughs> oh so yeah she's, she's just bad on all counts that was a major part too is that for a show that's about a train melanie got railed god this this is all that's my moment of the week oh man it's going downhill fast but if you want to watch it it's sundays it shows sundays on tnt our next and final show is agents of shield on this week's episode of agents of shield the lmd that is colson is on the fritz which means that it is seeing things in black and white and hearing inner monologue all just in time for film noir week on the show while in 1955, the team is trying to grab a MacGuffin that S.H.I.E.L.D. needs, get back to the Zephyr, and get ready for the next jump. But the main decision revolves around whether or not to let Sousa die, like he did in what I will call real life, or to save him and potentially ruin time forever. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Did this week's episode nail down all of the noir they were attempting to do? As much as one of our shows can. Yes. I mean, they even got, it's not just more, it's like Sunset Boulevard, right? They even start with the dead body in the pool. Narrator is a dead body in the pool, which is... Classic and awesome, yes. And, and and later noir. So I think typically we think of like early to mid-40s, but it did continue into the 50s. So it's nice that when they're in the 55, they pick things like Sunset Boulevard and Double Indemnity that are a little bit later than the truest era. And like it it all, it's not just like we're in 55, let's do it. It all like in, it's fun to have an in-show reason for things to be black and white in the <laughs> uh and it, the, having the LMD Coulson be going through a thing, that's silly in a good time. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't mad about it. I was definitely not like, oh, shit, show, you fucking nailed it. You did so good. But I just, I basically uh, just base all these ratings on like how many times I'm like, come on, stupid bullshit. And I didn't do that. It was fine, you know? <laughs> what, uh, 
what I did like is they're all basically like turning into Legends of Tomorrow, where before they were whatever the time agency of no, we have to keep time good. Because uh, they're like, well, we have to keep Hydra alive. And now they're like, nope, let's do things our way because this is too gross and dumb. And we don't want to be the, as they say, the agents of status quo anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, particularly Deke and Yo-Yo have, but that was probably my favorite part of the episode is that they're voicing to each other that this is bullshit. Like we almost let Susa die for reals. Like every episode that we've been in of our lives so far has like, we're protecting the timeline more than anything. And so they have a little pact that says, we'll just do whatever we think is right, no matter what. And yeah. it's Deacon Yo-Yo. You know, if it was like Mac and Coulson, you're like, oh, they'll be responsible and make good decisions. But Deacon yeah. Yo-Yo makes me nervous. Yeah, Yo-Yo, who has w- was just, I think, like an elementary school teacher who had enough power, so was always like, you telling me what to do is bullshit. And Deke is a lovable fuck-up. Right. <laughs> like, they are going to ruin this team. Absolutely, uh, yeah. And partly came there because... Deke asked if Yo-Yo could drive in the 50s, and she is shocked until he points out everything they've seen. And she's like, oh, no, history sucks. You're right. Let's start fucking history up. Yeah. You know, and we've talked about that all season of how they're going to deal with how bad the past was with everything, really. And I'm glad it's it's gone past Mac just, like, controlling his temper and rolling his eyes at all the ways that people treat him. And now it is affecting the plot and the character of, like, you know what, dude? If, if we... If we fix this stuff right now, then we're gonna the future is gonna be better. You know, right. like who cares about what's gonna happen? We can't let all of this injustice go on right now. What about and then Yeah, go for it, Ren. Uh and then Max said the Avengers. And that was like the other big thing that happened this week is <laughs> Max mentioned the Avengers. <laughs> so exciting always. Uh Ryan, do you actually have a moment of the week? Yeah, my moment of the week. Uh we finally figured out what's going on with May. So hopefully we'll figure out eventually what's going on with Yo-Yo and then get Fitz back. But I feel like May's taken care of. Uh, what's happening is that she gets the, the emotions of people that she touches. And so that's why she's been having panic attacks and why she's been nervous and freaking out. But the under-the-radar one uh, this week was that she was around Simmons and they bring out the MacGuffin. They open up the briefcase and show the tech. And she's like, that's really cool. I really like this. This is, yeah. really, this is really interesting and neat. And everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about, May? She's like, look at it. It's really cool science. And that's, <laughs> that's only because she was around Simmons. And that was a pretty subtle one because the show didn't explain what's going on with her until like 10 minutes later. So And didn't flash back and explain that part. Yeah. Like, the show rules. <laughs> Mike, what about you? You got a moment? I have two Deke moments of the week. Uh, he re-meets Freddie Malik, uh, who they saved in the 30s. Uh, and when Malik realizes who him, he's like, how do you, what's going on? He's like, uh, I go hard on the vegetables, keep my looks <laughs> hard on the vegetables. <laughs> and then, uh, th- there's a running gag of, uh, they keep calling Enoch who has the tech to connect them to each other when they don't know. And he is at first pumped. They're here. And he's like, I'm so ready to be back on the team in his robot way. Uh, and then becomes more increasingly passive aggressive because no- nobody wants to talk to him because in their head, he is just a stupid robot. Uh, and then Deke, at the end, is actually pumped to talk to him, and Enoch cuts him off and just instantly connects him to somebody else. It was just a great, like, three, three like, comedy comes in threes set-up punchline. The other thing, too, is that, I don't know if we mentioned this, but the whole episode was in black and white, and it was clearly a noir thing, but going through Enoch and how he looks a little bit like the Grim Reaper, uh, and all of the sadness, he, he was almost like in a Bergman movie, like an old black and white Bergman movie about <laughs> existential dread and what it's like to just be alone in the world. <laughs> It was awesome. 
Well, you guys, it's a great show. It, you can watch it Wednesdays on ABC. And that was the last show we watched this week. That is it. So, Mike, can you tell us about some websites? Sure. Uh, first, go to yourpopfilter.com, where everything we do lives. Second, go to uh, patreon.com slash yourpopfilter, because not everything we do is actually at yourpopfilter.com. Uh, if you help us out financially a little, you get extra kinds of content at yourpopfilter.com slash Patreon. Patreon. And Ryan, can you tell us about some other shows? Yes. If you like this podcast but wish you could change it a little bit, here's what I would do. If it's too much Cassie in this show, then I would go find a movie of the year, uh, the only show on the internet that tells you what the single greatest movie is of any given year. That's where me and Mike fight it out with a little Cassie we like to call Greg. If there's (laughs) too much me and Mike on here, then search for The Unnatural 20s where Cassie and... A different me and a different Mike talk about all of the trials and tribulations of being in your 20s with lots of rolls of dice. Die? Dice. Diocese. Popes. They use popes. 100% you got that. Uh, Mike, how can they rate the Year Pop Filter shows? Uh, You can rate this one at ratethispodcast.com slash superhero, and that'll take you to wherever... You want to rate things. You could rate rate it in 10 different places from there. That'd be great. That'd be helpful for us. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The other ones, just Apple Podcasts, Spotify, where, wherever you get podcasts, our podcasts live, and you can rate them there. And Ryan, can you tell us about social media? Yes. Uh, you can definitely hook up with us. Follow us on Twitter Ooh. at Your Pop Filter, and then also on Instagram at Your Pop Filter. Uh, follow us there because you will be bowled over by the amount of pithy insights that we have about everything that has to do with pop culture and when i say pop culture i mostly mean bebo almost all tweets are about bebo as they should be you gotta follow that for that good bebo content and mike i know we got an email what's that contact at yourpopfilter.com if you have questions comments concerns thoughts feelings and fears email us and we will read them if you want to have a heart to heart do it over email we can have that's our heart to heart channel for sure and next week you guys we're it's a real heart to heart we're gonna be talking about the premiere of doom patrol we're gonna have a lot of feelings about that and also shushies we're gonna find the funniest character so it's gonna be a great episode be sure to tune in for that uh for mike i'm ryan for ryan i am mike and for me i am me bye everyone bye everyone